Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Tuesday, May the 25th, a blessed Pentecost season to all of you. We celebrate the revelation of the Holy Spirit this past Sunday that united the nations around the name of Christ, and it is the Holy Spirit that is given to us this next hour as we study the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles in the last chapter of 1 Kings, chapter 22. And we come to this chapter as Ahab has repented. I mean, this is good news. And everything was peaceful for around three years. But we see the false prophets, a prophecy of Micaiah. What will be Ahab's fate? And what does this mean for them? And what does it mean for us? We'll find out today. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Help us to be strengthened by God's word. We have with us regular guest, John, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFU, and also will be moving to Minnesota on June 1st, the big day that will, um, what am I going to say about it, will it be an infamy. Can I say it that way? But anyways, Pastor Lekomsky, <laughs> welcome back to Thy Sorry. Strong Word. I'm glad you've warned everybody up there in Minnesota so they can be prepared. <laughs> he's coming, June he's coming. Oh, 1st. no. <laughs> so, so just a quick... What is the temperature in Minnesota right now? Right now, seventy. It's supposed to get up to eighty-two today. Oh, oh no, yeah. that's way too hot. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at that. You're never happy, oh. are you? You're never happy with the weather. <laughs> no. I think. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> See, because it's going to be close to probably eighty-nine. I don't know. It's going to be. But I thought we'd get up there. Maybe you'd have some pleasant seventy-degree temperatures. But oh, it's well, too warm already. I, I, I tell okay, you what. Well. I think today's eighty, and I think tomorrow's supposed to be high of fifty. So oh, it's a wow. bizarre place to be. It's a bizarre yeah. place to be. But anyway, so tell me what's going on for you besides moving to Minnesota. Uh, well, that that's about the sum and substance of it. Yeah, we're we're spending this last week uh, trying to see uh, see family and and give everybody our love before we head up that way and get our bags packed. So, and and I'm I'm I, I'm doing the, the strong word with you. That's <laughs> right. Doing that that's too. right. So yeah, it is a, a great highlight. And to end, First Kings. I mean, this is a this is a highlight beyond any other. You know what? I'm going to make the announcement now. Is we're ending chapter twenty. We're ending First Kings today. And one something I've I've been trying to do is to split things up a little bit. Is that we're ending First Kings and we're going to go to Second Kings naturally um, very soon. But to break it up a little bit, we are going to dig into the Psalms. Um, I'm kind of doing oh, a Psalm one into Psalm one fifty and kind of going back and forth and all that way and and ending in the middle at some point. Who knows when the Lord will have that happen? But so we already done one. We've done one fifty and tomorrow we'll start with two. And three, and then go to Psalm 149. So it's going to be a, a split it up a little bit and excited to see uh, really going back to prayer will be our focus for the next few days after today. So just announcement for all of you listeners at KFUO, how things will be proceeding next Monday is when we have with us uh, Pastor Matt Clark, who you know, um, oh, I know will be well, here to yes. start us off Second Kings chapter 1. So I'm excited to have Pastor Clark with us as well. So any other highlights for you, Pastor? 
Nope, nope. I, I'm I'm excited about this chapter. Uh, although Ooh, you know yeah. you're talking about the ending of First Kings, but of course that's just the weird thing that we did to the Bible because actually <laughs> they, they wouldn't have seen this as the ending of anything. This was just one big book. Uh, do you know why? Why did we divide it up into two? How did that happen? That it got divided into two know. things. I don't well, know. We're gonna, well, we're gonna we're gonna depend on um, no two people, Pastor Clark, and then we're gonna have Doctor Walter Meyer on to cover Second oh, wow. Kings chapter two. So yep, that's a yep. question that I'm gonna ask, and to our listeners, if I don't ask it, then you ask it. Send it in. And yep. oh, here's yeah. another announcement, Pastor. Is tomorrow will be the first day that we'll have call-ins? I will be announcing the the number. You know, I figured out it's time for me to grow grow up and get used to this and start doing it. So tomorrow <laughs> with Pastor Jewel, we will have call-ins. So if you have any want to call in and stump the pastor, I'm hopeful that the, a pastor who's always with me will know the answers. Um, so no, I'm, I'm excited no, about that. No, 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 no. We do not want to stump the pastor. Please don't <laughs> encourage that. But if people have questions, that'll be exciting to have the call in again. But no stump will. the pastor. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're not bringing bring okay. it back. Ask the pastor like we used to have. But anyways, <laughs> no. good. So this is a lot of announcements today. But like you said, it's a, f- a great chapter, has a lot of verses. So we better start here very quickly. So, Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? Yes, Lord, please. You, you've given us this wonderful scripture, uh, uh, but but help us to see this is all about us. Don't don't let us ever go to the Old Testament and just read it as if it's some distant history, but but help us to see it's about us, uh, about a call for us to repent, and it's also about Jesus and about the promises you have made to those who repent uh, of the forgiveness of sins and the life eternal, so that we might be strengthened in our faith, O oh Lord. Grant us your spirit in our study, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Well, reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions, today, the last day, only email. Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. As we get to chapter 22, um, Pastor, there's a lot of different things that have happened, obviously. You know, as you said, the, the saga continues in Second Kings, but what's been the saga to this point to help us uh, <laughs> begin this chapter on the right foot? What do you have? Okay, well, let me actually, I don't think I've ever done this before, I, I, you know, because I've done Thy Strong Word, and before that it was, I, can't, I think it was called the Bible study or something, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I'd like to start with one of the 95 theses. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, we here, we go. here we All go. Here we go. Well, so, so here's what Luther said in the 95 theses, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, uh, and that's actually from Matthew 4, 17. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And and I think that's what this chapter is about. As you alluded, last chapter, Ahab, King Ahab, he, he repented. He repented. And by the way, he's a mean, nasty bit of work. <laughs> you you can't get any worse than King Ahab, I think. But he repents. And like you say, things are good. Things are good for three years. It is, uh, yeah, it's remarkable what repentance, how it can change things. But as Luther points out, it's the entire life that must be one of repentance. And so now we get into this chapter and we see that the king falls back into all of his old habits. Uh, But we also see in this chapter is that God doesn't really desire the death of wicked people. 
I, I know we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> if anybody's got enemies out there, that would be a good solution, God. Just get rid of them. But, but we'll see in this text that what God always wants, even from wicked and evil people, is again that they would repent and they would live. So, so what we're going to see is those two things. First of all, what happens when you don't live a life of repentance? But secondly, we're going to see this God whose love and mercy is just without end. And, and you'll, we'll see his struggle to, to even bring a man like Ahab to repentance. Sad to say, I don't want to give it away. Uh, it would be a spoiler here, but it isn't going to work. It's not going to work, which is really, really right. tragic. Yeah, it is. And it is interesting that when you end in chapter 21, it says in chapter 16 that there was uh, no one more evil in the sight of the Lord than Ahab. I mean, it talks yeah. this way in chapter 16. And so you're kind of like doing a happy dance after 21. But that happy dance, well, it's a three-year happy dance, I suppose you would yeah. say. Um, but it, it definitely is. And like you said so well, Pastor, is it brings it back to ourselves and says, okay, buddy, um, uh, lady, it's time for you to repent as well. So a good reminder for yeah. us this morning. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask of this, that a 95 thesis is quoted every episode by Pastor yeah, Lecomsky. Can mission. you get this done? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. see. I'm going to go look them over. <laughs> That's right. All right, here we go. Well, let's begin chapter, first uh, Kings chapter 22, and we'll read the first five verses. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Like you said, there's there's peace and, and then there's a dialogue of, hmm, this Ramoth Gilead area, that looks pretty nice. So what's happening here? So, so yeah, the, the historical context really uh, highlights what's going on here, especially in the idea of repentance. Uh, first of all, it, we're, we're surprised to find that uh, the, the king of Judah and the king of Israel are getting along. Uh, Chronicles explains to us that this is the result of a, a marriage uh, of their children. And so apparently that's brought a little peace into the land between these two mm -hmm. uh, different groups. Uh, but this whole business about Ramoth Gilead, see, as soon as you bring that up, that's a cause for repentance. Because you see, Ramoth Gilead actually used to belong to Israel, but they mm -hmm. lost it in a battle to Syria. However, they got it back. They Well, they didn't get it back. That was the problem. They defeated Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Syria, uh, and, and God had given very explicit directions to Ahab that he was to, to devote him to destruction, is the phrase the Bible likes to use. And I think that's kind of clear what it's saying there, that he was supposed to destroy them. See? But instead, you know, he captures Ben-Hadad, and all oh, Ben-Hadad pleads is for mercy, and, and you know, good old Ahab says, oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll let... Uh, of course, the deal was that uh, Ben-Hadad was supposed to give these cities back. But, no, Ben-Hadad doesn't do that. And so now Ahab has to go to war again uh, because he didn't do what he was supposed to. See, that that's the point. If he was really looking at this battle the way he should have, it should have been with repentance. Because the only reason he's got this problem is because he didn't do what God told him to do in the first place. 
Now, there also should be some repentance on behalf of Jehoshaphat, too. I mean, we're glad for peace, right? We, we should have peace. But, but God had explicitly told the kings of Judah, no, you're not supposed to be going up and aiding the king of Israel. All right, now I gave them those those tribes, and they're going to take care of it, but you, you are to remain separate. You're not to be part of that. So both of these men should be beginning uh, their little adventure here by going on, on their knees in prayer to God and say, God, please forgive us for the mistakes and failings we've done in the past. But of course, no, there is none of that. None of, well, maybe a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, from the Jehoshaphat, where the fact says, well, maybe we should inquire the word of the Lord. I'm thinking maybe his conscience is feeling a little guilty here. Well, maybe, right, God likes peace. God doesn't want us mm -hmm. to war, but, you know, he did say he wasn't so, so supposed to support. Well, what am I going to do now? He wants me to support him. I can hardly say, oh, no, you know, I want to be friends, but I don't want to help you. Uh, so, and we find ourselves in that situation too, don't we? Sometimes we're not quite sure what the right thing is to do, which is why Luther reminds us the entire life is the one uh, is to be life one of repentance. repentance. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is interesting because it does bring us to the fact that this is a messy relationship. Obviously, yes. Judah and Israel are have a history, uh, and this is even more um, dynamic because, you know, like you said, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, uh, their their kids are married. You know, the son. Yeah. Married his son married uh, Jehoshaphat's son married Ahab's daughter, and so you have you know you have you have that messiness which we all can relate with when it comes to faith. You know what happens when two families come together and one's very faithful a Christian family and the other one's not, and how do you gather those together? Um, there can be times of peace and times of craziness. The other thing I found interesting when we look at Ramoth Gilead, it was one of those original cities of refuge that you see in the book of Joshua, um, that, that this was a place where if someone accidentally um, killed somebody, they would send them to these cities so that they would not be killed. And so it has a unique history. I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about today, but it it, it, it is designed to be a place of peace, but it has become a place of, of chaos, <laughs> which is kind of just crazy when you think about the whole history. And I never thought about Jehoshaphat kind of uh, overstepping some boundaries here. I, I guess I hadn't caught that, that, you know, you're kind of like, oh, he's the faithful one and uh, <laughs> and Ahab's not. And well, Jehoshaphat doesn't quite have it all together either. So um, that's where we're at. But he did say the right words. He said, how about we inquire of the word of the Lord? So any last thoughts on those verses? Well, just, just what you said there, because see, that's the insight. And, and that we would realize that there's nothing we're going to do that, that, that does not involve sin, because we're all sinful people through and through, which is why, yeah, everything we do, we begin with repentance. And in fact, we pray, Lord, you know, uh, show us the sin. We want to know that if there's something wrong. And, and so you're right, that, that causes us to inquire of the Lord, because we know that there's always something that we might be doing wrong, and so we're constantly going to the Lord to looking for verification. Uh, and so that's the good thing. That's the good thing they do here. But but now this story is going to detail how that gets off track too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's let's dig into it here. Six six through twelve. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said to them, "Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain?" And they said, "Go up." For the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, 
There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Bekiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, <laughs> for he never prophesies concerning me but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance and the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord Yahweh will give it into the hand of the king. Okay, so he gathers 400 prophets. Um, I found it interesting that 400 prophets is no different than the same number of the Ashua prophets from chapter 18. So so what's happening here? I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a faithful thing. What's your thoughts? All right, so so here, here's what's happening, uh, and, and we'll start with a lesson for us. So yes, we should inquire of the Lord, but but that means you just really need to let the Lord tell you what to do. It doesn't mean that you go and make the Lord say what you want Him to say, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> which which I think is the temptation. Because oh yeah, we'll we'll go to the Bible, but we're just looking for the things that will confirm what we've already decided, and we kind mm-hmm. of avoid whatever passages might imply that maybe we're not on the right track here. Uh, and of course, that's the whole situation here. Uh, and you're right, isn't it interesting? Four hundred, four hundred. As if that makes it better. Again, if we get it's the numbers, right? If we got four, well, then we must be right. We got four hundred prophets that are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, confirm what we're saying. So that's probably not the significant thing. The number of them. Uh, the question is, as uh, John points out in his letter, are they of the of the true spirit? Or are they of the the false spirit? Uh, right. Um, but but yeah, so that that that's the but but see Jehoshaphat recognizes that uh, because remember now these priests that uh, uh, Ahab has gathered together these aren't really prophets. They, that's what he did, you know. They they had set up a false place of worship, and they they had chosen their own priests, but not from the sons of Aaron, you know, not from the Levites. Uh, and so Jehoshaphat realizes, yeah, um, no, I know what you guys have been doing in Israel for a long time, and I know that I trust any one of these guys, what they're saying, even though they're in unison. <laughs> so can we find somebody that maybe really could be a representative of God? Uh, and of course, the telling thing, isn't it, uh, Brady, that he says, oh, yeah, I know this guy, but we don't want to listen to him because he never tells me what I want to hear. And, <laughs> and ain't that the problem? <laughs> That's the guy you're looking for. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so funny how he says it, too. Um, yeah. It was just kind of like, but I hate him. <laughs> it's just this wonderful. Yeah, there's that guy over there, but I hate him, by the way. You know, it's just like breaking. It's breaking commandments left and right. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he never agrees with me. So it just, but, but this is so relatable to our own lives because how many times we just go to people that agree with us? Okay, yeah, they'll agree with go. me. I'll go to them, and and you know, four hundred people agree with me. Like like if I have a church of four hundred people and we all believe the wrong thing, well, that's not right. <laughs> and and that's exactly what's happening here. Is is there at least one man he says in whom we inquire of the Lord Yahweh, and and some reason. <laughs> some reason he actually gives them a name, which is just kind of an interesting dynamic to this whole story. So other thoughts? 
Well, I was thinking about what Jesus tells us we should do if our brother sins against you. And, and mm. of course, the first is we just go talk to them alone, privately. But but then he does say you can bring two or three, and what always struck me, two or three witnesses, he says, see? And what we like to do is just what you said. We like to get two or three of our cronies. That's what mm. we like. We like to get the people that are on our side. Uh, uh, but what we really need is the people that are independent, the people that are just witnesses, who can simply tell us uh, how it is. And man, I'm thinking, wouldn't our politicians be a lot better if they did that? Because mm-hmm, that's what right. happens on both both sides. We just gather together the people that think like us, and we really need to listen to the people who maybe disagree with us, because we might learn something from that, and it might actually change our, our uh, attitude and our point of view. And and it moves on from there where, okay, we got them. Okay, let's go get Micaiah. But first of all, let's all get them together. Let's wear our robes. Let's get to, you know, do this. And then Zedekiah says something that is quite interesting because he says the right words. Thus says the Lord Yahweh. This is verse 11. And that the, you shall push out the Syrians until they are destroyed. Um, go up there and triumph for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Any any insights on how because Zedekiah there's some issues later on with Zedekiah. Any thoughts on how he speaks here and what he means? Well, well, see that's the thing because he really comes across as if he is a prophet of the Lord. He speaks the right words, as you said. This whole business with with bringing out the horns, of course, the horns are in, throughout the Bible as a symbol of power, and we we mm-hmm. see other true prophets of God, like Elijah and Elisha, that do this. Uh, A lot of the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah and stuff, they use symbolic things to communicate their message. So like you said, outwardly, to look at this guy, well, yeah, I died. And in fact, you know, later on, he'll say, hey, I've got the Spirit. You have no right to claim you have the Spirit. But, but, But the thing is, does it agree with the Word? that God has given us. And of course, we know it doesn't agree, because this man has no right to claim uh, the, the, the office of prophet. Uh, they're, 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 they, they've left the true worship of God. That That's a clear thing. If he was a true prophet, he would have been like Micaiah. He would have been saying, you know, Ahab, I'll tell you why you got problems, because you're not doing what God has commanded you to do. Um, so that's what we got to be, because I think the false prophets today look very, very impressive, and they come with all kinds of signs and wonders, and they usually come with large groups of people, like you said. Uh, most of the false prophets out there have lots and lots of followers, but but that's the whole point of the story. That's not what you need to look for. You've got to take the Word of God that you have. We have it in the Holy Scriptures, and then you've got to compare that to what the prophet says. And, and if, it, if they don't match up, then then no matter how good he looks, he's still a false prophet, because a, a, a true prophet will tell you nothing but what the Word of God has clearly spoken. Well, let's continue on as Micaiah starts to speak. So 13 and 14, we'll just do those two verses as we dig in. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of the one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that... I will speak. So there's a little bit of a bully move. You know, I've watched many teen movies. It's kind of like this. Hey, 400 of these people say this. How about you? I don't know. Say the same thing as them. (laughs) So so any thoughts on uh, what kind of a bully move by the messenger? Well, and, and, and again, like you said, uh, this is so true 
uh, in in our day to day. You know, I can remember my my dad saying to me, "If ever if everyone jumped into the lake, would you jump into the lake?" <laughs> and right. of course, that's the thing. There's tremendous peer pressure, and everyone's saying this. And you're going before the king, and you already know that the king hates you. So why not just make it easy on yourself and and say what you know the king wants to say? <laughs> but but see, see, there it is. That that verse fourteen. That's as clear as can be. This is what a true prophet does. As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Uh, and, and that's the difficult thing for all of us as Christians, and particularly for pastors, that we, we don't have any right to say what we think or what everyone else is thinking. We, we are bound by conscience and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak what the Lord says, whether people are going to like that or not. Uh, and in fact, think about it. Think about it, Brady. Because these other prophets don't speak what the Lord says, uh, Ahab is going to come to a terrible end. Uh, and, and I mm-hmm. hope we can begin to see that. What, what Micaiah says here, he's not saying because he hates, you, you know, Ahab may hate him, but he doesn't hate Ahab. He actually loves Ahab, and he wants what's good for Ahab. But, but that requires speaking the truth, even if, even if he doesn't want to hear it. And, and it continues on from here, but w- w- I think the first time when we hear Jehoshaphat say, you know, maybe we should inquire of the Lord. I mean, and then now we have Micaiah say, you know, what does the Lord have to say on this? It's just a good reminder for us as Christian people is um, let's open, may that be our battle cry. Okay, what does the Lord have to say about this? And that's just a good reminder every day. I know for me, it's like, okay, what does what does God's word have to say on this? And sometimes we assume God's silent where he actually is speaking. Um, and, and not in major ways, but in small ways. And that's a good reminder for me as a pastor, for us as Christians, just, okay, um, what does God, what does the Lord have to say about this? And that's a good starting point in everything that we do. So, um Let's keep, and, go, keep, and, you have and in this context, and in this context, though, see that that's if we go back to that whole issue of repentance. That that's mm-hmm. a good thing to say. What does the Lord say? But but as sinners, we got to constantly be asking ourselves. But now, have I made the Lord say what I want Him to say? Am uh, I hand picking the things to match what I've already decided? I think that's the key thing in repentance to to be open to whatever the Lord may say to us, because He may actually say things that disagree with us, and then we have to deal with that and we have to wrestle with that uh, uh, and, and see where the Lord would lead us. Because that's that. There's two two sides of the coin, uh, two ditches rather. So so the one ditch is where we say uh, uh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care what the Lord says. But there's also the other ditch that says, well, yeah, I'm going to do what the Lord says as long as the Lord agrees with what I want to say. <laughs> right. And, and we right. can do a good job of defending ourselves and say, well, here's this Bible passage and that Bible passage. But, but don't you think what they're saying here, we, we need to hear the whole counsel of God. Uh, and that may not be exactly what we thought it was. We we got to take the—because, well, and in repentance, I suppose it would suggest that, yeah, we need to constantly have that correction of the Word of the Lord. I, I'm just saying, because what? I run into a lot of Christians who say, oh, this is the absolute truth, and this is the only way it is, and I'm thinking, I, I hear your truth, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but there's maybe more to it than that. Um, mm. Well, anyway— mm. Well, right now we need to dig into the Word, but we need to take our break. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 22 with Pastor John Lukomsky, and we will be right back.
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. KFUO has been a part of the family, in a sense, for many, many, many years. We stayed home and listened to KFUO, and we loved doing that. Really appreciate all the work that goes into everything that you do here. For so many people to be able to hear the gospel, what a blessing that is. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. And welcome back. We are citing 1 Kings chapter 22 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And we've gotten to the point where the, the right questions are being asked. Uh, what does the Lord have to say about this? Now we get to see a picture of what this all means. Plus, Pastor, we have a lot of verses to get through, so we better get moving. Um, verses 15 to verses 23. Say, and say, when he had come... Say, go ahead. But, but oh, come on. You are you stopping? I know. I know we got a lot of verses. <laughs> but but could I give you an example of what, what we were talking about before we took the break, about hearing sure. the whole counsel of God? Sure. So, so, so let's, let's take a very controversial issue in our nation. It's not controversial for us as Christians, but it is in our nation, and, and that is that abortion is a sin. Okay, mm-hmm. and and again, as, as Christians, we we need to say that because that's what God says. I'm I'm sorry, we we can't mm-hmm. compromise mm-hmm. on that and get into anything about well, it's your choice or whatever. And yet, at the same time, doesn't God's word say more than just that abortion is a sin? Doesn't God's word say that we should love the sinner? That therefore we should be open and willing to forgive people who who have had abortions, who are wrestling with the consequences of that? Shouldn't we also say why? Why do you seek this and 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 approach the people who are wrestling with that with love, and, and if possible, to help them and give them whatever care and support and resources they need, so they don't feel compelled to do that. But so you see how it's kind of different than just saying, "Oh, well, the Bible says this, and therefore I'm going to make this stance." No, no, we have to hear the whole uh, entirety of what the Word of God says, which indeed does mean the law, no doubt about that. See, that's the problem that we would be like the people in this text and say, "Well, we don't want to say that because we might offend the king, or who knows." But, but at the same time, also to affirm that, that part of God's love and mercy that's in there, too, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that we would treat people with, with that kind of compassion and concern. Well, anyway, that was just an example that came to my mind like as we it. took our break. So I like it. All right. Well, let's continue on. And verse 15, when he, had, when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. 
And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that we should not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, that he may go up and, and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one, said, and one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So one, one thing I found interesting in this, and I want to hear your thoughts, is so Micaiah says, yeah, go have it. You're going to get Ramoth Gilead back. This is going to be great. However, you're not coming back. <laughs> so the other prophets weren't lying. They got that part right, but they didn't include the last portion of this. So I found that an interesting dynamic. What's going on here? Well, I, I, I tell you what, I, you can just see the love of the Lord for, for Ahab, because uh, essentially Micaiah is saying, look, I, I, I know what you want me to say, so go ahead, go ahead and go up there. Go out and you know, take Ramoth Gilead, if that's what you want. Go ahead, go ahead and do that. But but can you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit now? Because yep, we've got okay. a different Spirit in here, too. But you can see the Holy Spirit working in the heart of Ahab, because Ahab realizes this isn't the truth. You're not telling me the truth. Darn you! <laughs> As much as I'd love to believe, but I know I can sense it's not so. Now tell me, tell me, because I, I, but but of course, see, there's sinful flesh, though. He doesn't really want to hear the truth, does he? He doesn't want, but 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 the Spirit's working on him. The Spirit's trying to convert him, and, and I'm thinking that's a powerful statement to tell me what the truth is. And then, like you say, he, he tells him the truth. And, and, and how could this not evoke repentance in the heart of Ahab? Because you're right. Essentially, what Micaiah is saying to him, you know what? You're going to go to a battle and you're not coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there will be no shepherd. Mm-hmm. There will be no master. The, 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 the prophecy, the vision is pretty clear in regards to you, Ahab, that this is going to be the end of your life. And yet, how could that not break the heart of, of Ahab? How stubborn can he be? You know, I mean, if God came to me and he said, John, if you do this, you're going to die tomorrow, I think I'd say, Okay, I don't think I'll do that then. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Yeah, all right. exactly. Thank you for telling me that. But can you see it is it is the love of the Lord because the Lord that that's that's the whole business. Micaiah could simply say, "I'll oh, do whatever you want to do," and and God could say that to us too. He could say, "Oh, just do whatever you want to do, John Brady, listeners." But but no, he's constantly calling us to repent because the lack of repentance will lead to our destruction, and we will die ultimately because we are sinners. But but mm-hmm. with repentance, then there will be forgiveness for that sin, and there will be life everlasting after our death. So uh, it, it's a very, very touching, touching, touching story. Of course, you got this whole business about—I got to ask you a question, Brady. Please. So, so we got we got this heavenly uh, 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 meeting, and we've got this spirit that comes up and says, oh, I'll go uh, uh, entice him. We need to talk about that word entice, too. Um, okay. now, now, to me, that seems like the devil— doesn't it? Doesn't it seem it's kind of right. like the whole Job thing. But I it's, saw some yeah. commentators that wanted to say it was the Holy Spirit. But mm. have you ever 
have you seen it any other way than just being the, the lying spirit, the devil? Oh, yeah. You know, I was looking at that, too. And I just assumed, like you said, is that because it's almost identical to the Job story in the sense of, well, what's going on here? And then the spirit comes in and says, I'll entice him. I mean, it's the same thing. And God, for whatever reason, allows the spirit to do his thing. And I don't know how we cannot see that, but yet Satan. But I, di- I didn't read anything that it pointed me to the Holy Spirit on that one. No. Well, I read a couple of commentators, and that's what they were debating. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know. So I thought there might have been something that you picked up that might have. But okay, so you and I are agreement. How how can it be? Because there is no other lying spirit other than who else would volunteer (laughs) than the father of all lies. Um, Although I did want to point out, it is interesting that God doesn't tell him to go lie. Although it is a lie, no doubt about it, but he mm-hmm. tells him to go and entice him, which entice is the him, same yeah. word that is used of Delilah uh, and Samson. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I right, think that's important right. because God isn't into lies. God's never going to encourage anyone to lie to anyone, but he is going to place a temptation, an enticement before Ahab, which is why in the Lord's Prayer we constantly pray uh, uh Deliver us from temptation. Lead us not into temptation, rather. Yeah, because, no, if the Lord tempts you, you you got problems. <laughs> okay. Right. So don't ever do that to us, Lord. You've never done it before. Uh, you, you assure us that you wouldn't. So, But please don't. <laughs> Because cause we're sinners, and boy, it doesn't take anything for us to fall into sin. So don't even put us in a position where we can do that. One of the situations I heard in something like this is from uh, Dr. John Kleinig from Australia. He talked about how how God will use the devil because the devil's a fool. And and what he says is that, that there are times that the Lord will allow, for whatever reason, that the devil to tempt us or to lead us to different directions or whatever it might be, temptations. And he said, why does God allow this? Well, because the devil's a fool, because he goes and tempts us or there's something that happens. And what does that lead us to or what's the goal it's going to lead us to? Repentance. So ultimately, (laughs) God is always using the devil for his purposes for the sake of us coming back to him. And I think that is exactly what lines up with what you're saying about Ahab. He's doing this. He's enticing. He's doing all this. Why? Ultimately, so that Ahab would repent and that other people would repent and that we would repent. Then when the temptations come, it makes us realize that we need a savior and we come back to him and his gracious and loving grace that he gives to us every single day. So, like I said, we have a lot of verses to go through. Last thoughts on these. Well, boy, I just want to echo what you just said. We don't know what happens to Ahab. I mean, Ahab is going to have a little chance. Maybe he will repent. We, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But but certainly you're right. Other people who were watching this and, and people like us who are now reading this, certainly we will repent. We'll say, oh, my goodness, God, keep me from doing what Ahab did to be stubborn and, and, and to just block my ears and my heart to, to the clear message you're giving. Because there's no doubt here that God wants to save Ahab. Okay, uh, well, keep on reading because we see that Ahab is not going to respond. Although, maybe, maybe in his dying breath, that can be, you know, a guy could be dying and he can say, Lord, remember me, and, and the Lord would remember him. We don't know whether Ahab right. did that or not, but we certainly we pray that all of us will, will repent when we realize that we've sinned. Absolutely. So let's move on, 24 to 28. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, Kenana, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, 
You shall not. You shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. So Zedekiah has a little bit of jealousy here, kind of strikes him on the face, maybe a slap or whatever it might be, and says, wait a second, I have the spirit. How about you? And he says he didn't. And then, well, Ahab is not too happy with him and says, put him in prison. And ultimately, it comes down to, well, I tell you what, if this comes true, then you know it was from the Lord, if this is what's happening. So thoughts on these on these verses. Well, you, you had talked earlier about putting on our Jesus goggles, and, and uh, mm-hmm. when I read this, that's the first thing I thought of, that whole scene of Jesus uh, before the high priest and, and uh, the high priest servant slapping Jesus. How can you speak this way? And, of course, Jesus is just telling the truth. That's just what it is. And, and so this points ahead. To, this is nothing new, and it's not the end of all things. God's word comes, and people just refuse to hear the word. Isn't that what John said? You know, uh, mm-hmm. the light of the world came, and people refused to recognize that he was the light of the world. Um, and, and this final statement, hear all you peoples, I, I think it emphasizes what you had said earlier. This isn't just about Ahab. This is about all the other people who are gathered there. This is about all the people who will hear the story for ages and ages to realize that's the mark of a true prophet. And that's the only way you can tell is, is what, what happens, how it all works out. That's always been the mark. Um, so let's not be impressed by the numbers, their popularity, their signs, their power, whatever. Uh, let us just trust that whatever the Lord says, that's what's going to happen. That's what's true. But again, I'm just thinking, wow, God, you're a lot more merciful to me at this point. Ha- having taken your servant and throwing him into prison, I would say, well, that's it for you, Ahab. Just forget you. But there's one last cry. It's a call for Ahab to repent and everyone else there to repent. Right. But, but sadly, they won't. They won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And ver- verse 28, if you, ret- if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. Kind of like saying... You know, here's your last chance. I mean, I'm giving yeah. you the last chance that that you walk that plank, buddy. We'll see if you fall into the ocean or not. I mean, we'll see what happens is kind of how he's speaking. And then, like you said so well, it, it wasn't just for Ahab. It was for all who were listening and guaranteed there were a lot listening to this whole dynamic. Not only the 400, but other people who were standing by to see what the Lord would be doing in this situation. So the story it, continues, it, and it's a lot of fun. So it, we have more. Well, do you see the similarity here with Judas and Jesus? You right, know, where, where, right. where Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to be betrayed. And, oh, man, that's a terrible thing for whoever does that. And, and here, I'll, I'll take from my bread and I'll, I'll give it to the one. And then he hands that bread to Judas. I'm thinking, oh. how could Judas not say, oh, my God, he knows everything. He knows what I'm going to do. How could that not, the truth of the Word of God, how could that not bring him? But see, here's the problem. Judas and Ahab both think that repentance is in their hands. They think it's all about what they're doing. And, and, and God help us to understand, no, repentance isn't something we do. It is, Luther says, the entire life of believers. 
But but of course, as we understand, belief doesn't come from our reason or strength. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you just have to let the Lord do what he needs to do. And and certainly the struggles and trials he puts us in is to evoke that. It is to evoke and bring about that repentance. So don't don't refuse that. Don't stubbornly refuse it, because the Lord will do. He'll work that repentance, unless you tell him no. That's the sad thing. You can refuse it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's continue on um, as the story gets even more interesting. 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel a fight with only with the king of Israel. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Now, I want to stop there and reflect on one thing. Why yeah. does Ahab do this? Why would he disguise himself when he goes into battle? Well, and see, that's what's, again, it's, this is just tragedy upon tragedy. It indicates that he actually does believe what the prophet Micaiah says, doesn't he? He actually thinks that he needs to do something to make sure this prophecy doesn't come untrue, which is to say then there's obviously he, he's responded to that. But again, rather than recognizing the prophecy, which is very clear, don't do it. <laughs> okay. He still is so stubborn. He, he still thinks he can take it into his hands, doesn't he? He still thinks he can do something to keep the word of the Lord from coming true. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's what makes this really tragic, that obviously he is hearing but but he's not believing the word of Micaiah. Uh, hearing from the standpoint that, yeah, I need to hide myself, but not hearing from the standpoint, no, what you need to do is just say, yep, the Lord's word is true. So I, I need to withdraw. I need to stop this. Otherwise, what will happen is what the Lord said. You know what I think is interesting is is that Jehoshaphat says, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll do that I'll, for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then I realized, <laughs> well, that's what kings do. You're a coward if you don't go into battle wearing your royal robes. Right. Uh, and and we, we can see that, that God spares Jehoshaphat, you know, because Jehoshaphat mm-hmm. is at least believing the Lord, you know. Uh, uh, he's inquiring of the Lord. Uh, you know, he's still sinning. He needs to repent, too. But there is. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. It's a it's that it's we could dig into that for a long time. But let's yeah. keep moving forward. Verse 34. And we'll go through 40. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore, he had said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and carry me out of the battle for I'm wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians, until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot, and about sunset a cry went through the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died, and was brought to Samaria, and buried the king of Samaria in Samaria. And they washed the chariot of the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. 
Now the rest of the acts, Ahab and all that he did in the ivory house that he built and all the cities he built, are, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers and Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Now, we do have an email from one of our listeners and his comment, and he's actually written in numerous times following David and Solomon and all the kings. And one of the common themes that he says is once they start having chariots and getting all the glitz and glory, that that's when things are going downhill (laughs) and how ironic it is that Ahab um, dies in a chariot. So any thoughts on that? Uh, Our our guest or our, our listener always brings us up and he's, you know, I think he's right. So any thoughts? Well, yeah, and we could add to that that it makes a very uh, uh, distinctive point that he had all the armor on. He had everything right. to protect him. You know, so he had, like you said, that's a great point. Yeah, all the power and the yeah. glitz and everything. And yet, no, he still dies. And he dies from a random arrow, you know. And, right. and the word right. there in, in, in the uh, uh, Hebrew is very clear. The guy wasn't shooting at him. <laughs> Okay, right. the guy was just doing right. his job. I'm an archer. I just send the arrows up, and uh, but but no, that arrow struck home. Uh, so so you're right, so, and, and and that's the point. You you put your trust in yourself. You put your trust in your efforts and your program. When what we really ought to be doing is repenting, which is to say, boy, there's nothing I can do that can solve this. And not to say we shouldn't do things. And that's the that's the ditch on the other side. Of course, we take every possible tool God gives us when we have a problem and use that to address whatever the problem is, whatever the cross we have. And yet, at the same time, we do it in repentance, realizing, yeah, I know that I know this is something that's really beyond anything that I can solve. And if there is a solution in the and it'll be the Lord who will deliver, not me or not my works or my armor or my chariot. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. That's a really, really good point. And, and, of course, the thing that's being emphasized here is the word of the Lord was spoken, and, and it's going to be done. It's going to be done. It's not going to be done by men from the other side either. It's not like these men were doing. No, no, it was just a random act on the part of men, but it was what the Lord had declared. And... Do you, do you want to talk about this whole business about the, the, the blood and the dogs licking it up? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. We have well, about a minute. You do about a minute. Let's do it. Okay. Well, well, that's that's where we started, wasn't it? All the way back in First mm-hmm. Kings, where, where the prophet said, thus says the Lord, have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. So mm-hmm. that was set a long time ago um, <laughs> to Ahab. And, oh, man, see, if God said that to me, I think I would be repenting every day. I'd say, please, Lord, don't let that happen to me. It may be what I deserve, but God, deal with me in mercy. But there's no call for mercy here at all, is there? There's, there's a, a famous statement, not famous statement, a statement that I hear often is you can't fool God. I mean, this is like a common confirmation <laughs> class where you say you can fool your parents, you can fool your pastor, but you can't fool God. And clearly Ahab thought that he could, or at least he hoped that he could, as opposed to hope in the Lord. So let's let's continue on to Jehoshaphat, because we have about six minutes left. Okay. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of Shil- Shilhai. He walked in the way of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings to the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. 
Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he warred are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the king of Judah? In the land he exterminated exterminated the remnant of the male cult prostitutes who remained in the days of his father Asa. There was no king in Edom. A deputy was king. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go for the ships were wrecked at Azion Geber. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. And Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. And Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the seventeenth year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and the way of his mother and the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. And therefore, the end of First Kings. Yep. <laughs> what a way to end yeah. it. Anyways, <laughs> so we, we hear about Jehoshaphat. Um, and one question that we do hear from our one of our listeners, another one of our listeners, is that he brings up, besides um, allowing uh, his son, excuse me, uh, sorry, was Jehoshaphat's son? Yes, son to marry Ahab's daughter. Was he, what other ways was he not faithful? Well, and, and see, I think that's what's interesting that's listed. Because here, if we, if we were writing the story, what we would have is we'd have evil King Ahab and we'd have good King Jehoshaphat, right? And that would be mm-hmm. the message then. Well, don't be like King Ahab, but be like King Jehoshaphat. And, mm-hmm. and yet the author here concludes by telling us, well, no, Jehoshaphat wasn't perfect either. Uh, we, we already know that he shouldn't have had his daughter marry. But that, of course, you don't know unless you read Chronicles, because Kings doesn't tell us that. It's Chronicles that tells mm-hmm. us that, you know, they were warned not to help them. But then it also mentions the other thing he did, that, that he didn't take away the high places. Uh, it did take me that he does take away the male prostitutes, but not the female prostitutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So they yeah. well, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, we don't need the male prostitutes, but well, you know, you never know, female prostitute that. Uh, politics. So, yeah, that's yeah, politics. That, that's that's absolutely <laughs> the point here. This, this this guy needs to repent too. See, mm-hmm. this isn't a story about two people. One was good and one was bad. No, this is a story about two people. They both needed repentance. Now, now by having that concluding, concluding stuff about Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, mm-hmm. where it says he 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 angered the Lord and everything. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. This is worse so than Ahab. That's right. There's different <laughs> degrees of evil. We're not denying that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jehoshaphat probably wasn't as evil as what Ahab or his son was. But they still needed, they all needed repentance. And here's the thing that blows us away. God was just as willing to forgive Ahab and his evil son as he would have been to forgive the kings of Judah. That's just what he wants to do, is he wants to forgive. But, of course, if you will not repent, then there's nothing he can do, right? How can he forgive somebody who doesn't want to be forgiven? 
And it brings us to that dynamic we bring out all the time is that we are both saint and sinner at the same yeah. time. And that's why I find so, so bl- a blessing when we read first and second Kings is the reality is that we can relate with every single one of the Kings. We can relate with, if I was tempted like that, what would I do? And then also um, I can maybe sometimes pull out a, maybe we should inquire of the Lord. I can pull that out sometimes, but other times you just want to follow the crowd. The 400 people look really nice to follow as opposed to the Lord. So pastor, we have about a minute left. Uh, how would you summarize um, well, basically all first Kings in a minute, no, <laughs> but, but to talk about what we talked about today and what this means for us. All right. So, so as we talked about before, Brady, we got to remember the people that were reading the story are people who are in exile in Babylon. They have seen the wrath of God. And, and the issue is why, why has this happened to us? And first Kings is a tragedy. As we look at our text today, it's a reminder for us that we indeed need to repent. And we sympathize with both our kings, the kings that we have here, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, because indeed they were needing God's grace, and so do we. But yet we are still sinners, but we know that our Lord has came for the weak, and we are indeed the weak. So today we had on Pastor John Lekomsky, who's a co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong words. So, Pastor, if you're listening, thank you for being our guest. Saints of our Lord, what do you, what, who are you going to listen to? The 400 prophets who are not telling the truth? Or are you going to listen to the clear word of God? Ahab went with his itching ears and Jehoshaphat tried to be faithful, but all of us, we know what we depend on, which is our Lord. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us this Pentecost season, and may he keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>